Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Um, this may not come as a surprise, but just like many people, I too sometimes will struggle with prayer. And my question that we're going to start with for this morning's message is, I wonder if you ever struggle with prayer too. We're going to start our time with, uh, you know, kind of a Zoom poll. We've tried this once before and we'll see what happens. Dustin is going to put this question up and it's a simple question. Do you ever struggle with prayer? Um, these Zoom polls are always anonymous, so it doesn't say who said what, but we're just going to take 30 seconds. If that pops up on your screen, answer that simple question. Do you ever struggle with prayer? And we'll just kind of see where we're at. They're coming in. There we go. We'll give this about another 20 seconds or so. They're still coming in. All right, it looks like the answers have come in. So Dustin, let's see. All right, this is really interesting and I was curious to see what would happen. Um, 0% of you said that you never struggle with prayer. 55% of us said we sometimes struggle with prayer and 45% said that we struggle with prayer all the time, all right? So I'm going to share a story uh, from when I was a kid. It got me reflecting on this subject matter. When I was younger, my prayer life was as consistent as it gets. Every night for many, many years, my bed served as the personal place of prayer for me. And I was as dependable as a Swiss watch. I would lay down in my bed, close my eyes, and begin my prayer time. And before I could ever get to the amen, you probably have guessed what I'm about to say, I would fall asleep. Because I fall asleep in about 30 seconds to a minute, I finally came to realize that maybe the bed wasn't going to be the best way for me to commune and spend time with God. I would wake up in the morning feeling guilty that I could never stay awake for God and that I had fallen asleep in prayer again. And this was like a vicious cycle that went on forever until one day I remember I was listening to Tony Campolo speak, if anyone knows who he is. And he asked the audience how many of us have ever fallen asleep during prayer and felt guilty about it. I was sitting in my chair staring at him thinking that he was talking directly to me. How does he know? Did God tell him that he was preaching to this subpar Christian that couldn't even stay awake during prayer time? And I admit, when I heard him launch into this, I was so nervous about what he was going to say next. And then in classic Campolo fashion, this is what he said, and I've never forgotten it. He said, what better way is there to fall asleep than to fall asleep in the arms of God the Father in prayer? 
Now you know why Tony Campolo is one of my heroes and why he's been so important to me, especially when I was growing up. What a relief. Finally, after all those years, the guilt and shame of falling asleep during prayer was gone. Maybe I wasn't a bad Christian after all. Maybe I was normal. Maybe other people struggled with prayer too. And according to our Zoom poll, it sounds like a lot of us, um, at least all of us at some time struggle with prayer. Now, if you've ever struggled with prayer, then note you are in really good company. Even Jesus's disciples and the Apostle Paul struggled with prayer. That bears repeating. Even Jesus's disciples and the Apostle Paul struggled with prayer. Paul, a man who had met the resurrected Lord personally, this is what he said. He said, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. We all want to know and be known by God. We all want to love God more. We all want to be in such a relationship that we can, like Jesus did, call God our Father. But for most of us, prayer often remains a mystery. Now, when I talk to people about their own prayer life, I often hear things like this. Oh, I leave the praying to the pastors. And then he asks the pastors about their prayer life. And they say, oh, I leave the serious prayer work to the prayer warriors, the nuns, and the monks. So then my question is this. Is prayer really just for the monks and the nuns? Is it only for the super Christians and not for us ordinary disciples of Jesus? And of course the answer is no. We all know better. We know that this is absurd because prayer is one of the marks of discipleship. It's for all Christians, really all humans. Maybe we could all use a little refresher course on how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. To do this, we're going to walk through the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in a short four-week mini-series, today being the first one. Will you join me in prayer? Loving and merciful divine parent, meet us here in the word and in spirit that we might come to know of your incredible love for us and for the world that you've made. Amen. All right, friends, here we go. Luke 11, 1 to 4. He was praying in a certain place, and after he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us to the time of trial. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what you might have noticed about Luke's version of what Christians call the Lord's Prayer is that it's shorter than Matthew's. The other thing to notice is that Luke's prayer is the direct result of one of Jesus' disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. See what I mean? Even Jesus' disciples struggled with this. They wanted a unique community prayer, one that was specifically for them. 
Now, community prayers were not unusual in the first century. We just heard that John the Baptist community evidently had one. The Jewish community of Qumran had one. Other Jewish communities had their own unique community prayers too. So what we call the Lord's Prayer probably should really be called the Disciples' Prayer because it shows us how we are to pray as followers of Jesus. And the prayer that Jesus gave us starts with one word, Father. So the question is this, what does the word Father communicate to us about a distinctly Christian form of prayer? Now, many of my own prayers in life, sometimes they just, they seem to come out of these real life situations that best could be described as a hot mess, right? I'm in crisis. Or someone I know and someone I love is in crisis. And so I say my prayers as this list of things that I want the all-powerful God to deal with, to make right, to fix, or to heal. For me, these prayers can sometimes treat God like a cosmic vending machine where I put my prayers in the top slot and then I expect the immediate results to come out the opening in the bottom. But notice that the disciples' prayer, the one that we just read, doesn't begin with a list of requests. It ends with requests. So we'll finish this mini-series with requests, but it begins with relationship. It begins with the word Father. Now the word Father is immensely rich in Scripture, but it can also be really difficult and even painful for some people. But this word, as Jesus used it, is not about projecting what we know about our earthly fathers onto God, because we all understand that God is not our Father in this sense, and that God is certainly not a man. So to pray to God as father, or maybe better as heavenly parent, is to take a long, hard look at what God is really like, and then adjust our own expectations, our own behaviors, in order to be more like God. Now, many of us are parents. I'm the father of two beautiful daughters. I have a father myself. One who, by the way, is listening to us online. He's with us today and probably wondering, listening really carefully like, uh-oh, what's Rob going to say next? Don't worry, Dad. I got your back. Not here to throw any parents under the bus. But as a parent, I personally start with myself. I acknowledge that I'm far from perfect. Just ask my girls. They know this about me. And I know that if we asked my dad who's listening, he would acknowledge the same thing. He's not perfect either. Both of us as dads, could stand to look at our heavenly parent to see what is God's fatherhood all about. So I was reading a book on the Lord's Prayer by a theologian named N.T. Wright, and this is, he wrote this and it stuck out to me and I, I jotted it down in my notes. And he wrote that there are times when I wonder where fatherhood ends and friendship begins. Friendship and fatherhood, he said, teach us something about God and prayer. This statement really got me thinking. People with younger kids especially, they ask me all the time, what is fatherhood like when you have adult children? Personally, I say I absolutely love it. And one of the reasons I like it so much is that our daughters have become our friends. We've thoroughly enjoyed having them back home. Even in this weird time, we genuinely enjoy spending time together. 
the line between parent and friend has certainly blurred with age. And I wonder, can we learn something about prayer with this idea of God as both father and friend? The disciples' prayer is focused on the relationship that God has with God's children, you and me. I was reflecting on this when I call Corinne and Madison my daughters. What am I saying? I'm communicating that they're beloved members of my family. Disciples are invited in. They're being welcomed into God's family, into the intimacy of this mysterious family relationship with the divine. Father communicates a closeness and a deep loving relationship that God desires to have with us. Just four chapters later, Luke is going to paint his picture of what God the Father is like in the parable of the compassionate father that sometimes we know as the parable of the prodigal son. It's familiar to many of us, but it's worth a little reminder that the son had actually wished his father were dead. He had taken his inheritance early and split. He squandered his inheritance. He ruined his own life with his own poor decisions. He is now starving and homeless, and he decides as a last resort to return home, expecting the very worst. But Luke says this, while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the father offered this wayward son the very best of everything that he owned because his son had been lost and now has been found. This is the compassionate father that Jesus asks us to humbly approach in prayer. The God who is standing by the window. The God who's watching and waiting for our return. The God who just wants to spend time with the kids. The father dreams only of the return of his son who was lost. Lost to relationship, separated by his own willfully foolish choices. This is how God responds to our prayers with this goodness and faithfulness that we can scarcely even comprehend. The God who gives more than any of us as earthly parents ever could. This God loves us beyond our wildest imaginations, even the most wayward among us. This morning I even wore, if you can see it, my prone to wander shirt that a friend of mine, Elijah Walker, who lives in Arkansas, he's a pastor, he made these shirts. And I wore this one specifically this morning because it reminds me of the lyrics to a famous hymn. Some of you have already figured out what the hymn is. Prone to wander comes from come thou fount of every blessing. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Whether we have wasted or whether we've hoarded the gifts that have been given us, it doesn't change the love that God has for us. 
we still have this image of God at the window watching and waiting for the return of the sun, a return to relationship, a reconciliation of something that was broken. Perhaps the most helpful thing that I discovered when thinking about this subject matter for today was that prayer is like pushing against an open door because we're already on the inside when we pray. God opens the door to relationship. We don't have to push on it because the door is already open to us. So this idea of God as Father, it goes all the way back to the second book of the Hebrew Scriptures, to a time when Israel was experiencing slavery and was in need of rescue from the imperial power that was known as Egypt. This is what God said to Moses. This is where it comes from. God said to Moses, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my first born son. I say to you, let my people go. And it's from this point forward, right before the journey that we know of as the Exodus, that to call on God as father was to invoke the God of the Exodus, the liberating God whose kingdom was coming, where there was bread for the hungry, if we remember this story, deliverance for the captive and forgiveness for the sinner. Luke is attempting to draw our attention to God as this kind of loving and compassionate father, the one who liberates and sustains her children. The God of the Exodus was certainly on Jesus's mind when he was teaching his disciples how to pray. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to accomplish what our New Testament might call the new exodus. God provided manna, bread from heaven in the wilderness for the starving Israelites, and Jesus will give us bread, the breaking of the bread as a sign of Christ's presence among us and the bond that we share not only with him, but the one that we share with each other. So Father communicates what kind of God it is that we approach in prayer. So when you are struggling with prayer, as we already admitted that we all do, we remember this image. We remember the image of a divine parent who desires to give you far more than you could ever imagine, who wants to free you from the things that bind you up, the one who invites you also into mission, the mission of Jesus, imitating the God that we worship by overflowing this same kind of compassion and mercy, this kind of liberating love that overflows from God to us and back out into the world. Jesus had all of this in mind and plenty more when he invites us to pray, our Father. Amen, friends.